1: ny or text hope ny in new york
2: trojans throttled by ucla bowl eligibility on the line attendance competition a byu preview the latest on the trojans head coaching search and our pac Club weekly predictions Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to a special edition of We Are SC's Inside Trojans Huddle. It's week number 13, which means it's USC getting ready for BYU. So we'll we'll get into that in a moment. Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with We Are SC, uh, columnists and staff writers. So the pregame show is where we introduce our panel members of this edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle and give you the latest USC football news. First, let's meet this week's panelists. Mark Culkin, We Are SC columnist who writes Monday's Morass, Yay or Nay, and Sunday Takeaways in addition to practice reports. Eric McKinney, publisher and editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com. And I'm Greg Catcher, host, moderator, and We Are SC columnist who writes the obvious and not so obvious, and IMHO Sunday. Before we begin, here's the latest USC football news. The rescheduled USC-Cal game uh, to end the regular season is being uh, played at 8 p.m. and will be shown on Fox. Junior quarterback Keaton Slovis and senior defensive lineman Nick Figueroa have been named to the 2021 Cosida Academic All-District Team. USC senior long snapper Damon Johnson has been named one of 10 fi- semifinalists for the 2021 Patrick Manley Award given to the nation's top long snapper. And USC sophomore wide receiver Kyle Ford has been named one of 30 nominees for the 2021 Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year Award. And along the recruiting front, USC received a commitment last week from class of 2022 in-state defensive end Devin Tompkins, a three-star prospect from Stockton, California, Edison High School. All right. So there you have the latest. Let's get started. First quarter. All right, panel. I know you're going to feel very, very unhappy that we have to go over this one more time, but your general thoughts and takeaways uh, on the USC UCLA game. Eric, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts on that uh, disaster?
3: Are are we still calling it a game? That's, that's still the word we're going with.
2: I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing on your part. And it deserves, you know, let me give you something for that. There Thank we go.
3: You. I would appreciate was the... it. Go ahead. Uh it, you know, no, there, there's nothing else to take from that. I, I think what we saw was a defense that is at this point of the season what it is. And, and I think we all kind of hit on it and when when we talked about it after the game, was there's some flash there from Jackson Dart, and and you're starting to see, okay, if, if we're if we are really starting to turn the page on this season and, and look at what 2022 might bring uh, there, there are worse things than starting an offense, you know, with, with him potentially as your quarterback, there, there's still ways for him to go. And and he certainly made his true freshman mistakes, um, but playing clearly not at hundred percent on that knee uh, and, and being thrown in there now and, and having to go against a, a UCLA defense that could kind of do whatever it wanted because it knew that its offense was going to score every time it touched the ball. Uh, I, I think that was kind of asking a lot um, for him and, and I think he played well. So again, you're not taking really any positives out of that game for this season. Uh, but when you have to start picking at things that, Hey, you know, maybe way down the line uh, you're seeing something from there. I, I think, Maybe you could find a few positives. Ultimately, though, this is just, I mean, you, you look back at, at, you know, the 2005 USC-UCLA game, the way USC fans kind of talk about just how bad that UCLA team was and, and how or how bad the, the, yeah, the UCLA team was. Um, that's certainly, I think, how a lot of people are looking at this. USC just, they had a chance to show up, got sort of what they needed early with the two interceptions, and, and then just that's the team that, that they've been of late, unable to capitalize on it, unable to kind of show the, the kind of emotion that, that you need um, to play well in that game. And really it just was a culmination. I, I think at the end of it, I think all three of us are saying, I, I can't believe that this team has to go out there two more times and, and try to dig up uh, whatever it can um, to show hopefully well in, in those next two.
2: All right, uh, Mark, mm. what are your thoughts? Yeah, we're going to refer to that as the
4: score that shall never be named again um, game. So uh, I, I told you, Greg, right after the game, they the Coliseum scoreboard and big video board was cleared as quickly as USC's team cleared the field. Um, or as Casimir Allen ran back that kickoff return. Um, there just wasn't a lot to... To take home from that game Um, Eric covered it you know you can talk about individual players who who played well Um, Gary Bryant now has two games in a row where he can say that he's played very well against their his crosstown rival Um, you know it's it's amazing you know Eric touched on it you you have a defense that they actually showed up for the first couple of series uh, kind of flexed their their muscle took the ball away a couple times and you know, when all of a sudden, you know, the, the offense's allergies show up again. and You know, they, they can't capitalize. So it's just, you know, Brett Nalen said it as well as anybody after the game. You know, we just keep banging our head against the wall. and We're not getting a different result. So BYU's up next. Greg, what do you have to say?
2: You know, I'm glad you asked, Mark, because I was about ready to chime in. Uh, as far as the game, it was kind of a joke. But uh you know, audience is getting a little restless as we're coming to the end of the season, as you can tell. You know, I thought the game, uh, as I had a chance to kind of unwind after uh, putting away the airplane vomit bag, um, I uh, I had a chance to kind of look at it and say, you know, what did it really show? I mean, obviously, the, the points on the scoreboard showed, but attitude, uh players involvement. Uh, you know, this idea that UCLA came out and um they were you know dressed to go in the warm-ups and these guys have their shirts off. Uh you know I uh you know it's all a symptom. And then some of the quotes afterwards, you know, admirable quotes. Uh I thought Nick figueroa was very candid. You know, he, he wants to be good. He wants the team to do well. He's looking forward to next year. But he kind of said between the lines, I don't think everybody on this team is where I'm at. And you know what, Uh, God bless him. You know, he is speaking like he's doing a little bit of an autopsy of his own teammates. I think it's a real problem in that clubhouse. Uh, I sense it, the quotes that come out. uh, Even, uh, you know, Brett Nealon's is a great kid. you know, he's, he's a little undersized. You know, he takes a lot of punishment when people put the nose tackle right on his face and he's got to deal with it. But I don't question his effort. I question the effort of some others. But I'll tell you what I question. I question a lot of the coaching situations. And as I've said many times before, usually coaching is the last place I go because I was a coach for a long time. And I know that there's a lot that goes into it that I don't know. And I'm not at practices every single day. Uh, even in the closed practices, you know, stuff goes on. But I will tell you that when I take a look at Drake Jackson, is he really ready to go to the NFL? I don't think so. Uh, He doesn't have enough proven work on it. I know he said before the season, I'm going to the NFL. Well, what does that tell you? What message does that send out, especially in hindsight? Uh, But then you see a guy like Drake London who says, Uh, I'm going to play in a bowl game no matter where we play or what it is. Now, there's a team player to me. I'm not saying Drake Jackson isn't a team player. Uh, I look at Corey Foreman. What kind of development did he have? Uh, They made him a movie star before he even played a game. It's pictures up there above the Galen Center. And I get that they're trying to drum up good, positive stuff and good for Corey Foreman. But, you know, when you go between the lines, you've got to do something. You've got to prove it. And I think that his uh, best best days probably were ahead. But I I took away from this uh, game all about attitude, uh, direction. You know, I think the team has basically packed it in, not all of them, but many of them. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a very difficult uh, situation for the final two games. So let's move on to the second quarter. That's really kind of a good uh, portion here, right? I want you to think in terms of context of what will it take the Trojans to win their final two games to be bowl eligible. And I'm going to add a little something for you guys. Do you really think they should play in a bowl game? Uh, so with that in mind, I know Mark, you've probably got a lot of thoughts on this one. How about it? Well, I've
4: already, you know, I've expressed my thoughts and, you know, in, in my takeaways in a yay or nay or, or a morass column. So uh, it's going to take a miracle I guess is the best way of putting it, you know, just if we want to piggyback off of what you saw, Greg, you know, if the team isn't putting, if the entire team, staff included, players aren't putting forth a hundred percent effort, um, you know, you, you know, what kind of result you're going to get. So you get home against BYU and then they go on the road against Cal. So it's, it's going to take a lot. You know, especially if this, you know, the roster continues to get depleted with injuries, Um, you know, how many of them are, can they play through and how many of them are, hey, coach, I'm hurt, take me out of the season. Um, You know, those types of things are going on in the locker room. Um, You know, we've talked about it enough. This this team is ready to move on to next year. You, You hear the players talking about it now after the game. They're playing for next year. Well, when you're already looking ahead to next year, that means you're not really playing for this year, no matter how hard you try. So, um, yeah. And As far as playing in the bowl game, you know, you want the extra practices. You've got the new coach coming in. You're going to need that evaluation period. So, yeah, as much as, as reluctant as I would be to play the game, you need to play the game.
2: All right. Well, Eric, do we need to play the game?
3: Uh, I don't care about playing the game, but yeah, everything up until the game is is really important. I, I think those extra practices they that they would get, especially because most likely it would be in front of the new coach. Uh, he he's going to have to make decisions on this roster with, with the transfer portal. There, you can get so much turnover, so much roster turnover in one off season, and. I, I think the new coach needs to know, hey, who's in it, who's sticking here, and who maybe would be better off going somewhere else. You, th- there's no better opportunity for him to get that look than in those bowl practices in, in December leading up to it. The outcome of the game, playing in the game, whatever, but being able to, to be together in uh, those type, that type of setting uh, for the new coach I, I think would be hugely beneficial rather than needing to wait until winter conditioning or, or spring ball or just kind of relying on film of maybe, you know, what he could piece together or, or talking to people here and, and what he could piece together that way. I, I think that would be big. That being said, winning these next two games, I, I think Mark hit it, you know, a miracle or, or just less than that. I mean, it's, it's two teams that are going to do everything that UCLA did offensively and, and are capable of it with those running backs. Uh, with a couple capable quarterbacks, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be really tough because the the USC defense there, there are no answers. If there were answers, they would have found them uh, by now. It's just that it it's going to get run out there again. You hope that that things are better, but so far you just have not seen anything to make you think. Oh, they're they're just a week away. Um, it, at this point, the week away is just the week away. F- from, from the end of the season. So again, I, I think there's going to be guys that there'll be guys for USC that go out and, and absolutely give it their all and, and go hundred um, percent. If again, it's Jackson Dart, you've got kind of a, another week with him sort of as the leader for the offense and, and getting settled in there. Uh, I don't think, you know, BYU and, and Cal are these, you know, completely unbeatable teams. Uh, but so far everyone's looked pretty unbeatable when, when they're going to, up against the <laughs> USC defense of, of late.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, they're redefining what fight on means to me. Uh, I don't see this team fighting on and living up to the, at least forget about the scoreboard, living up to the motto of we don't give up. And that alarms me. You know, if why would I go to work if I'm not going to get paid? Why do I want to play in a game if I'm not going to put out? Well, the players that put out should be on the field. Otherwise, the other players don't be on the field. Now, I have a contrary uh, viewpoint of a couple of things that were said here. Um, first of all, uh, how should I put this? I think the new coach is going to be named soon, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I don't see the value personally of uh, bowl practices for this group. Uh, because I think that you can get so much off of film. Uh, you know, the, these players that may come back or coming back, how can you be talking about next year? You know what, this whole idea of, oh, look at all the players that are coming back next year is one of the biggest farces ever. Look, at if you're a lousy team and you're bringing back lousy players that have bad attitudes, what is, what is uh, uh, six or seven months going to do? Now, that being said, I think the new coach, will become familiar with it and probably is probably watching the games if that person already knows they're gonna get the job. They may not be watching it live because they're already coaching their own games. but I think for the most part, uh, you know I think that BYU has a lot to play for you know they're number 13 in the country. Uh, they have big bowl thoughts uh, and of course their their uh, head coach is now the subject of head coaching rumors to other places, USC in, included in it, uh, as a, as a dark horse. Uh, I can't think of a worse situation than USC is out of bowl contention goes up to Cal Cal uh, may or may not be in contention. They're going to play at UCLA uh, and that's going to be a tough one, but let's assume that Cal isn't bowl eligible you're going to present to the country. Two teams are not bowl eligible. Now, the only, only positive could come of this is that SC names their head coach and they splatter it on national TV. Uh, but then again, we're starting at 8 o'clock on the West Coast. That's 11 o'clock on the East Coast. You know, how many people are going to stay up for, for that? Uh, I guess if you can't get to sleep, you'll turn it on. But I, I don't uh, – I have no compassion about not getting in a bowl game. I don't think this team deserves to go to a bowl game. Uh, that doesn't mean the players that you have mentioned, some of them, Gary Bryant Jr. I think Dart, I think some played very hard under difficult circumstances. And I think they probably deserve to go, but you know, it's a team game. It's not an individual sport. You can't set the individual guys. Okay. Jackson, you, you can go play in the SoFi bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel bowl, you know, and, and we'll be happy with that. So this actually takes us to another question. So let's get into uh, our halftime. The attendance competition. I'm putting you guys right on the spot here and don't homer me out. Uh, your thoughts on which Saturday night game will draw the most fans? Will will it be Cal at UCLA or will it be BYU at USC? Eric, step aside of the landmines there. It's all yours.
3: I I mean, with those, I'll pick USC because I, of the four teams, my guess is that there's probably the most BYU fans uh, that, that show up of the four. I I do want to say I, I'm curious um, if a lot of the attendance digs for SCUCLA came with early shots of it because, yeah, it, it looked empty early, but – I gotta say, it filled in, and you know, around second quarter when we looked up, it, it was kind of surprising how many people were there, considering you know we'd been watching home games almost all season at the Coliseum that looked e- you know easily half empty. Um, but that that one was Eric, one.
2: Eric, Eric, let me ask you a question, seriously.
3: It was not a sellout. No, there
2: were there sixty-eight thousand in the Coliseum?
3: No, that I, I would, I would assume that was inflated, but clearly more than we'd seen lately. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that that was a sellout. And if we're going, if we're pivoting back to this one, I don't expect very many people there on Saturday night after Thanksgiving at at seven thirty uh, at night. Maybe a lot of people have family in uh, to town and, and they put that together as a, as an outing, but. Like I said, I, I'd assume SC-BYU supported a bit by, uh, by BYU fans um, coming to the Coliseum.
2: So are you saying that BYU-SC is going to draw more people?
3: That, that would be my guess.
2: Okay. What's the attendance count? The real attendance count?
3: Less than what was announced for UCLA.
2: <laughs> oh, well done, Barry Mason. <laughs> All right, Falcon, what do, you, what do you think here? What's your, what's your read on this?
4: Yeah, it'll be, for one, it will be a a BYU home game. Um, There will be more BYU fans and USC fans, which I'm going to get to here in a moment. But I I would say there was probably a total of 60,000 at the high end point of the USC game against UCLA. Eric, yeah, maybe 60,000. Fair? Sure. Okay. So which would be by far the largest crowd the Coliseum has seen all season, so kudos um but uh, back to this week's game they will definitely byu usc will have the larger attendance because byu actually you know they travel well they have a large culture that follows them um, around the country uh, so they are going to fill some seats in there uh, what sucks about that is that this is the last home game of the year which makes it senior night which means You're going to have a lot of players um, who have gone through a lot of crap these last two years, didn't really get a senior year last year, Um, who are going to be, you know, as Jake Lichtenstein put it after the game against UCLA, you know, look around. You know, nobody's out here supporting us. It's it's us against the world. So, um, you know, not to throw any Jewish guilt out there, but, it is the last game of the year, and you've got some seniors who aren't going to be around next year. So maybe a little Trojan family can spill out there on, a, on Saturday.
2: You had to pull out the kosher card. You
4: got to go somewhere, man. <laughs> but it's, but, look, it's, we are at rock bottom. You got to go somewhere.
2: I'd rather go to Canter's, but that's just my personal opinion. If not, well, the
4: their service has gotten even worse than it's ever been. So,
2: And that will actually have to be a, a program unto itself uh, in the offseason. Um Well, I'll tell you what I I think that BYU traditionally brings people. They whether it's basketball or it's football, they are a close knit group, and I think they're going to be. It's going to like to be a Notre Dame game in the Coliseum. There's going to be a lot of people rooting for BYU. Um, You know, I don't buy this thing. It really annoys me actually uh, when I hear players uh, for the Trojans saying it's us against the world, dudes. You put yourself in this position along with your coaching staff. You are not victims of anything. You had a chance to make it straight on the field, between the lines, on national TV almost every week, and it hasn't happened. Wish it would have happened, but it didn't happen. You're not victims, you know, and and you got to get that out of your mind, in my opinion. You want to do something about it? Go out and do something about it, okay? Uh, We have yet to see that. So I'm going to say that there'll be 60,000, okay? And I think that 30,000 of it will be BYU fans. Uh, they will stay to the end. I don't know if – I don't really know if BYU is capable of putting on 62 points on the scoreboard, to be honest with you. But they're they're capable of being physical. SC's offense, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, you know, Cal and UCLA is a rivalry – UCLA fans are probably up for it after the big rise after the last week, but I don't think that they go to a game after the SC UCLA game. It's kind of a letdown. They probably already turned to basketball. So we'll let them have their hoops happiness. Uh, there we go. So since we're talking about BYU, we'll head right into the third quarter. Uh, Mark, what's going to happen on Saturday night at uh, 730?
4: Hmm um we're gonna play a football game BYU will eventually win and USC will be officially ruled out of the bowl game
2: okay uh I I don't know high scoring high scoring low scoring no scoring
4: does not matter you know I'm I'm trying I'm sorry I'm not trying to be flippant but you know at this point you don't know what to expect with this team um you know, you, you would think scoring 33 points would be enough to keep your team competitive. But when you end up giving up 62 points, you know, you, you've you got no defense. You've got special teams that plays fairly decent for the, you know, all season. And at the most crucial point of the game where the crowd's into it, there, there's some energy in the Coliseum. The team's getting into it. Special teams you know, gives up a kickoff return for hundred yards and all of a sudden game over. So I, I don't know what to anticipate with this team. Um, there, you know, again, why, why even go into formalities that this is what's gonna happen? I anticipate USC coming out, trying hard, putting forth an effort, BYU eventually wearing us down and walking out of the, gate, out, out of the call scene with a victory by 20 points. And they'll, they will be the last team to score 40-plus points on USC in the Coliseum. How's that?
2: So you think they will score 30, 40
4: points or more? Yes.
2: Okay. They won't we'll
4: score see. 60, but they will score 40.
2: Well, that could be disappointing for some people. But, you know, 40 points is a lot of points. Eric?
4: Well, has never happened before, though, for all those historians out there? Has, has a USC football team ever given up 40 points on every home game, save for the one against San Jose State? Well, you make- Arizona, Arizona they only gave up 34 so don't don't nitpick this right eric <laughs> it
3: was, well it, it was a USC record three 40 point games in the Coliseum allowed in in a row um when they Arizona up. just
4: ran out of time if Dante was to put it in a contest
2: so. oh well hey. done ran out of time that that's a, that's a good one <laughs> all right eric what do you think?
3: I, I think ultimately ultimately, that's it, right? B, I mean, BYU is bringing a 1,300-yard rusher into this one. I mean, if if they want to give him, you know, 25, 30 carries, that's going to be really difficult for for USC to do anything against. I, I don't think that, you know, the USC offense or Jackson Dart or, you know, if, if Keontae Ingram is, is fully healthy to play, you know, those are questions that – that have to be answered kind of this week, but ultimately it, come, it comes down to USC can't score as many points as the opponents are scoring against the, the defense this year. And and I would not expect that to change against a BYU offense that is pretty good. Um, and a and USC
4: BYU's, game, BYU's defense is better than UCLA's defense.
3: Let's just, let's just start there. I think that's, I think that's probably true. And, and whatever maybe USC had in the tank to get up for against UCLA. That's gonna That's going to be tough to rebound emotionally from that, put it together against BYU. Again, it's not, it's not fun to be out here kind of every week for us kind of talking about this and doing it. I I can't imagine sort of living it on the field and, and having to get your mind right and, and go through that. So no, I, I just – I don't see any way for USC to kind of pick up the pieces and, and put to, put it together against BYU because, again, we would have seen it six weeks ago. We would have seen it seven weeks ago. You know, if, if the answers were there, they would have been there. Right now, it's just with the with the injuries, with kind of what recruiting decisions have done to that front seven on how many guys are just even available and healthy and, and ready to go and have experience and all of that kind of stuff, it, it's – it's too tough to, to stop a, uh, a BYU team that, again, you, you kind of know what what they're going to do. It's not – Todd Orlando and the defensive coaches are not sitting there going, oh, my gosh, these, these guys might do anything. We have no idea what's going on. I mean, that, that's kind of just where you are as a as a team right now where you just you, – you can even know what's coming and, and still can't get out there and, and physically do anything to stop it. And so that's kind of – again, if, if there's a hot start, like, like Mark said, if, if they can kind of get out there early – At this point, you you just can't expect that to go for 60 minutes for USC. At some point, they're going to get punched and they're not going to have the response to be able to stay on top.
2: Well, that's kind of how I'm looking at it is it's, um, you know, in the UCLA game, uh, Robinson, uh, Thompson, Robinson, two interceptions early. They don't convert it for touchdowns with this team. If you don't do that, you're in some serious trouble. If not, Then down the line you know BYU will have their 27 year old offensive line and maybe the 37 year old defensive line uh you know they're they're going to do to SC what's where they're weak uh and that is physically and and mentally they're going to beat SC down it's such an easy uh uh scouting report really these guys are going to cave don't worry about the first half, just body punch, body punch, and then good things are going to happen. Uh, although I will say this, I think because for a number of players on SC's team, they're going to go through that uh, Trojan uh, football alumni club. They're going to go through that little tunnel. I don't know how many players are going to show up for the tunnel, but you know they're, they're, they're going to go through it. And there's going to be a focus there that, look, this is a big thing that these guys are leaving. You know, let's at least initially go out there and, and try to go toe to toe. It's what happens in this. Look at the third quarter. We know SC's not going to score a touchdown. And if they do, it'll be national headlines, right?
3: They do last uh, game. What's that? They got they one laugh. against UCLA. Got one.
2: Well, you know what? <laughs> I must have been dozing off. I have to tell you, I'm so used to them not scoring. But again, if they did score, that's, uh, you know, it was close,
4: Greg. It took him to the last two minutes of the third quarter. In fact,
3: I looked at Eric. I said. Got it. They still lost the quarter. Lost the points uh, on the quarter, but did score a touchdown in the third quarter. So first since we looked at uh, Colorado, October 2nd. And then UCLA, November 20th.
2: Well, the fact that you had to do some reference working on it, I feel a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> That being said, uh, when it's all said and done, uh, I agree with uh, Culkin uh, and Eric. I think, Eric, you, you don't, you're not sure about what the result is going to be. We're going to, of course, say the result in our opinion in a few moments here. But uh, let's, let's move on. Okay. Fourth quarter. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Okay. This is where it gets interesting. We're going to talk about the coaching candidate situation. I think we're very close to something being named here. Uh, But let's take a look here at last weekend's results of of the speculated USC active coaching candidates. Uh, The rankings I'm going to give are prior to the college football playoff rankings that are coming out Tuesday uh, evening. Okay, So here are the quick results for those that are listening or watching that aren't paying quite as close attention to what these candidates uh, that we think are the uh, main people to focus in on. Uh, Dave Aranda's number 11 Baylor team is now 8-2. and two. They won 20-10 at Kansas State. And the quarterback was knocked out of the game. So uh, that was a big thing. Now, they end the season uh, hosting Texas Tech. Uh, Matt Campbell, Iowa State, has not maybe had as great a season as they were hoping. Uh, they lost 28-21 at Oklahoma. No embarrassment there when you're, when you're at Norman Uh they're gonna end the season at TCU. They're six and four. Luke Fickle, of course, number five, uh Cincinnati. They're 10 and 0. They smashed SMU 48 to 14. They're gonna finish up at Eastern Carolina. So uh that takes us to another candidate. Uh James Franklin, Penn State, 6-4. Finally beat somebody. They beat Rutgers 28 to nothing, but they're gonna be on, they're gonna be facing uh uh, Michigan State uh, in East Lansing, and that's not going to be easy. After Michigan State's probably quite angry after that incredible mauling they took uh, at the Horseshoe, and uh, you know at Ohio State. And I, I still think a dark horse uh, lurking is Bill O'Brien uh, with number two Alabama. They're nine and one. They uh, edged Arkansas surprisingly, forty-two to thirty-five, and they're going to finish it with the Iron Bowl against. Uh, uh, at auburn and one name i'm throwing in here and i'll tell you why i've been following uh kalani sataki number four fourteen byu nine and two they won at georgia southern home of clay helton now uh they won 3417 and of course they're playing usc uh, on saturday but the newspapers at salt lake city tribune one columnist was basically saying he, he couldn't keep getting back to USC, kept re- coming, coming back to USC. USC money, USC talent, USC. And he was basically saying, you got to ante up money in Provo if you want to keep uh, Satake, who's now also a candidate, so we're told, uh, at Washington, where apparently Chris Peterson has a big, big influence on who they're going to pick. Okay, yeah, he's already there uh, as an administrator. And why wouldn't you listen to Chris Peterson? So there could be some movement based on what Chris Peterson recommends. Now, all of that being said, based on the results of last weekend, uh, I want you to rank your choices, whatever you think is best. Uh, I think in two weeks, we're gonna have a coach personally. Uh, so Mark, I know you think you have a little bit of news. So uh, drop it on us.
4: I got no news. I got no news. Uh, No, you know, a lot of, you know, innuendo and speculation is out there that, you know, Greg, you've you've already touched on it, that USC is going to announce their coach in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Whether it will be, you know, prior to the Cal game, during the Cal game broadcast, or the Monday immediately following, I think everyone is kind of in agreement. It's going to happen around that weekend because it sets up for USC's final big official visit the recruiting weekend so they're 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 kind of you know getting all the dominoes in place so to speak now with that said um my first choice 1a um and he would probably be 1b as well but i can only have one is going to be dave aranda uh you know he just greg you said they won they lost their quarterback in the in the process as well um so it would be able to you know to continue to win and do it on the road without your starting quarterback is huge, and you know I, I did a little research. I wanted to find out you know what happened during their game, and I came across a little news article uh, talking about their juice crew, which kind of you know rang a bell with me since USC's been trying to create their own energy at practices with their you know, their what's up squad, juice crew, towel waivers, whatever you want to call them, and. Um, for the first, I'm just going to read it to you because it's real quick, just a few paragraphs. I got this from the Baylor website. For the first time, maybe all year, uh, Baylor football brought the same energy on the road that's been a staple in six games at McLean Stadium. Crediting the uh, juice crew that included freshman Jaden Maronen, Josh Cameron, Tate Williams, and Braden Strauss, junior linebacker Dylan Doyle said, quote, When you compare Saturday's 20-10 to 10 victory at Kansas State, to our loss two weeks ago, 30 to 28 at TCU. I think you saw a lot of energy, end quote. We brought the juice crew this week, he said. Those guys are really energetic on the sidelines. And I hope you guys saw that. It was a blast. We just had a lot of fun today. Second year head coach Dre Veranda said, it was just a failure on me not seeing how important energy was. In the very beginning, it's been a staple for us. Our sidelines have generally brought energy when we're at home, Miranda said. When you look at the TCU game, our sidelines is just really dead. And the sideline and their sideline is alive. By the second or third quarter, our sidelines came alive with some some coaxing or whatever. I failed in that area. From the very beginning, we were going to win the sidelines in Manhattan. I appreciate the juice crew. So the guy just keeps learning and developing as the season goes on. After a loss, he figured out, hey, you know what? We're on the road. What was missing? energy so yeah that's it's manufactured and i've kind of picked on that because it's it seems forced when usc's been doing it but when you've got guys who are designated to do it on the road picking up freshmen hey you guys aren't going to play but you can contribute this year and this is how that's the type of culture you want being built at usc so again he's my number one guy you know, that's just one of those little anecdotal things that you can talk about and go, oh, wow, yeah, it's a strong candidate. Um, Matt Campbell, another strong candidate. You know, I, it's almost like I'd be let down if he was the head co- next head coach. Yes, but I, I think I would be really happy with that. Um, James Franklin, you know, thank you for saying you're staying in, you know, in Happy Valley. Took a lot of pressure off of Mike Bone and Brandon Selesna so they don't have to consider you anymore. Um that You touched on that Alabama-Arkansas uh, game. You know, if Bill O'Brien becomes that dark horse, I hope he takes that fake punt play that Arkansas ran against Alabama and brings it to USC. <laughs> that was pure brilliance. And, you know, for whatever reason, USC is just, you know, they don't like to run trick plays. I don't know why. But you got nothing to lose this year. So, Whomever is the next head coach, it's okay. Color outside the lines.
2: All right, Eric. What, what's your sense? What's your pulse of the whole deal now?
3: Yeah, I need three on my on my list, and, and it's Aranda, Campbell, and and Fickle. Um, the, those are kind of the the three that I. If if any of those three are standing there at an SC Polo giving their press their introductory press conference. I, I'm I'm pretty happy with the way the search went and and the trajectory um, for this. I, I think you're there's ways to split hairs and there's ways to kind of stack them up. This guy, this guy, this guy. I, I do, I, you know, fickle being at Cincinnati. Yeah, he's got them ranked where they are. I think there there is something to the yeah, but of people win at Cincinnati. That that's a place that has produced coaches and, and there's clearly a, a way there that's set up before these guys get there on how to win. And when you're talking about that, that's what kind of steers me towards Matt Campbell a little bit is that Iowa state is just an impossible place to win. And for him to be able to kind of establish that and then keep it going year in and year out yet, you know, they're, they're not in the playoff. They're not winning 10 games every year, but that's a place where you should go, you know, two and 10 every, every four or five years. And the fact that he's not doing that, I I really appreciate that he's able to kind of build a program, establish a culture, and then keep it going. Dave Aranda, I love the fact that he was able to kind of catch them last year and have them here. I would love even more if we could see what he did next year at Baylor, kind of riding on this successful year. How does he carry that into the offseason and now kind of work as being, I guess, the hunted maybe next year? I think that gives you kind of another data point for him that being said the the defense first kind of, of of all three guys Aranda probably gets the edge on you know I, I don't buy into fully oh he's got to have southern california roots but it sure doesn't hurt it does, it doesn't hurt when he comes here he knows what usc is he knows what it should stand for what's and and specifically kind of what's important about it what's a highlight what to focus on all of that uh, he's a guy that that would have recruits turn their heads pretty quickly. I think he's a guy that the people have seen, you know, what he does defensively, uh, a guy that would do well in the transfer portal if you combine him and USC with, with guys uh who would then jump in and, and go out to USC. I think there's a lot to like um about Aranda. I and, and for me, those kind of are, are my top two Aranda and, and Campbell there. Um and I I think at this point maybe maybe the the two likeliest uh names that cert- certainly the two that are getting kind of the, the most talk and, and attention at this point.
2: All right. Well, here's, here's what I think. Here's what I know. Uh, Fickle will not be the SC coach. Uh, Rumored was relayed to me that he has already told uh, SC that he's not going to be coming. This was a couple weeks ago. Now, again, I don't make up rumors. I just spread them. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it's it is look he he's going to get into the playoffs. I mean, at the rate that the the top four are rotating, they're going to. I don't even want to say they back in, but the way it's going, a tremendous shot. SC's not going to wait till January to find out who the head coach is. I mean, that's just a, you know, that's a no brainer. Uh, Aranda uh, seems the most logical in one way. But I have always said this, and I haven't said it for public. I'll say it today. He seems like a really upfront, stand-up guy, and I think that it is going to be a problem for him after only two years at Baylor and it's his first job. They supported him. They did a lot of things to make him be in the position he's in today. It wouldn't totally shock me now if he said, "I can't do it." I, I, the. I think he's incredibly loyal, okay, wherever he's been for the most part. So that, and it, but the thing about Aranda is he's gotten really, if you look at, uh, you know, we have to look at the LA Times as a, you know, wide circulated thing for the for the masses. Uh, I personally think they should all be reading wearesc.com, but I'm a little prejudiced in that. Uh, but a lot of play has been for Aranda, you know, going and talking about where he came from and his roots and you know, if you read the story that uh, uh, McCullough wrote on Aranda, there was an aspect where, where one of Aranda's um, mentors, co-coaching people said he's incredibly loyal to where he's at. So, you know, it, he has a big decision to make. Now, that being said, I'm hearing that Campbell could be the guy. Okay. And he's the least of the three publicized. Uh you know, I think you both hit, a, hit it on the, the nail on the head here. He's the one where it's going to be like, uh, uh, who's he again? Now, you know who he is. I know who he is. I don't think the general public in Southern California really, at this point, all they hear is Fickle. All they hear is Aranda. But, you know, Matt Campbell could be the guy coming in. He's got a family, but they're not quite. You know, the thing about uh, Campbell that I like, Well, first of all, all three of our defensive guys. So I like that to begin with. And Brock Hewitt, who I actually have a lot of respect for on national TV, did say 100% it has to be a defensive guy, 100%. So we're going to get our wish, I think. Uh, But Campbell's father is also a very successful high school football coach in Ohio. Uh, I think he's up in the Maslin area. Uh, I think that's what I uh, have read. And, you know, there's something about coaches, sons, of course, we have to say there's exceptions to the rule with Clay Helton, of course. Uh, but by and large, coaches' sons are generally pretty sharp cookies. Uh, they, they know what they're doing. Uh, you know, Campbell had a buzz uh, this, uh, this weekend when he said, I'm not into uh, whether we win the Big 12. I'm into how good we can be for who we are, which I think could be misinterpreted by a lot of people. And I can understand the firestorm that uh, that created. Here's what I do know. Uh of course, do I really know? But here's what I do know. Uh we're gonna finish the regular season uh for most teams except for Cal and USC. And then you can have the you can have the the uh conference championships. Campbell's not gonna be in the conference championship. Chances are Aranda's not gonna be in the conference championship, could be, but outside chance. Fickle, who knows? He could be going on until 2022. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, I think after the sec, after they announce the bowls where people are going, SC's going to make that shot, and I think they're going to do it. Uh, if they're going to be bold about it, they do it before the bowl announcements are made, uh, so they can get the maximum publicity. They'll leak it on a Friday. The game will be played on national TV on Saturday. So now they got double buzz and then they'll schedule a press conference for Monday, and Tuesday, the season will be over for, let's just, let's just say safer hypotheticals, uh, Matt Campbell. Uh, you know uh, they are bowl eligible, Iowa state. Okay. They are bowl eligible, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. So we're getting to the nitty gritty and uh, you know, it's going to be very exciting in my opinion. Now excitement is when we go into overtime excitement is our predictions, which I know that all of the listeners and viewers are just waiting so they can go out and make a bet. So we're going to start off with Friday, November 26th. By the way, we wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Okay, hope you get all the turkey you can eat and the, all the stuffing you can you can handle. So let's start off here with uh, Colorado at number 23, Utah, 1 p.m. game on Fox. Utah is favored by 24 points. Mark. What do you think?
4: Yeah, um, I think Utah is riding that red wave. Um, Huge, huge, big smack of Oregon. Um, They're going to do the same to Colorado and uh, find themselves, you know, probably resting most of their players in the second half so they can be ready for uh, the next game. Which would be? I don't know. Who do they play?
2: The next game after this one? Yeah. I think it'd be the Pac-12 championship, wouldn't
4: it? There you go. But like I said, who do they play? Uh,
2: well, I'll, I'll reserve comment for that in a moment. Okay. Um, yeah,
4: they'll be resting their players in the second half by the time this thing's over.
2: Eric, what do you think? Colorado at 23, Utah.
3: Yeah, Utah, but closer, closer than that because – whatever to make the Pac-12 look worse, right? I mean, isn't that what all these teams kind of rally around at the beginning of the year and say like how do how do we make this thing look bad uh, <laughs> as as long as we can? So, yeah, I could see we could see Utah doing that to Oregon and then squeaking by Colorado so that the narrative next week is are these even the best teams and, you know, you you can kind of kind of leave all the talk out of the Pac-12 championship game because again, that's kind of what this conference does. It, it was as inevitable as Utah beating Oregon last week and, and knocking Oregon out of the, out of the playoffs. It's, it's what this conference does. Why not? We, knew
4: Oregon, we knew Oregon was way overrated anyway. So the fact that I'm they were still saying, there. For they very, the very vindictiveness.
2: We're almost. We're, vindictiveness.
4: There. we're just putting <laughs> things into context. I'm just building off of Eric's narrative.
2: There, okay. That was well done. Very well done. Uh, all right. Uh, Colorado at 23 Utah. I, I, Colorado's going to come to play. That's kind of like their little rivalry game. Uh, but I think this Utah team, I'll be okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm rooting for them to win the whole thing. I want them to win the whole thing. I want them to go to the Rose Bowl because they'll truly appreciate it and they deserve it. They've gone through tragedies. Whittingham's a great, great coach. He knows what he's doing. How many times do you ever sit there and find out what his recruiting rankings are compared to all the, quote, blue bloods? And so I'm rooting for Utah to take it all. So don't let me down, Utes. Uh, so I, I think Utah is going to win, but Colorado's not going to roll over early. Uh, but Utah, man, they are really putting it together at the right time. All right. Another intriguing game Washington State at Washington, Apple Cup, 5 p.m., Fox uh, Sports uh, FS1, I should say. Uh, Washington State by one and a half points. Is that? satisfactory to you eric
3: that seems fine yeah washington state has a way into the the pac-12 championship game that'd be kind of fun to see them and and utah play I don't, I don't know if a ton of people had those two teams coming into the season but i, I mean washington is is maybe not as much of a, a mess as usc is on the field but it's it's pretty close i mean that, there's not a whole lot good going on right now up uh, there
2: all right, Mark, what do you think? Cougars or Huskies?
3: Go Coug.
4: Yeah, go Cougars. I, I Washington just doesn't have enough offense this year. And it, it'll probably end up being, you know, a, a 20 to something score. But Washington State will just have more 20s than Washington.
2: All right, I'm I'm uh, I'm going with the Cougs. I think the most absurd thing that can happen in this conference is a team whose coach doesn't even last a season, a.k.a., Clay Hilton um, wins it and would be a threat to win it all. Uh, You say we'd have to have a whole new formula of how we evaluate coaches. We don't need a head coach. If you want to get rid of them. Look at Washington state. That's going to be the new thing, Washington state. And what, what is the rest of the nation going to say if Washington state's in the Pac-12 championship game, or even wins it without a head coach. I know one thing, if they win it, the guy who's the interim head coach, they don't give them a contract. There's something rotten in Pullman. So uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to take hey. I'm going to take Washington State because I just think they're another feel good story, uh, and I think that if uh, Jane Delorean's on, and they they maybe levers out of me. They're pretty tough. They're pretty tough. All right, let's move on to Saturday, November 27th. Big game, Oregon State. At number three, Oregon 1230 p.m. ESPN Oregon by seven. Say the odds makers. Mark, do you think those odds makers are odd or are they right on the nose?
4: Uh yeah, they're probably right on the nose. Is this game in Eugene? I'm sorry. Did you
2: yes? Yes. it's correct? It's in Eugene.
4: Yeah, I I guess Oregon will bounce back. Um, and they'll squeak one out. But you know, who knows? You know the, the... This conference, it's it is a joke. You know, you guys have touched on it. Everybody's laughing across the country. Yeah, are, what are they calling the game this year? Is it? It's not the Civil War anymore, right?
3: What they, are they it
2: to be politically
4: correct?
3: Yeah the no the no name game. It is. It's it's right now. I think I, I think they're the thought is to look for a, a permanent kind of name to call it, but. I'm going to go with Oregon, game. nonetheless The a very close game.
2: Okay. And you editor-in-chief and publisher of WRSC.com? Uh,
3: yeah, I'm picking Oregon State cuz I'd rather be wrong picking Oregon State than be <laughs> right picking Oregon. So, that's fine. <laughs> I I think uh I do I Oregon State is is a team that I enjoy watch playing. BJ Bailey that running back is is fun, you know, it's it's you USC fans got a little bit of Kiate Ingram this year where it was OK that that kind of maybe not, you know, the traditional USC tailback out of the power eye and that kind of thing. But having that one big back that you can rely on and, and you know, is going to show up. And and I just I like those guys. BJ Baylor kind of came out of nowhere as a recruit. Um, and, and he's a guy that that's fun to watch. And, and Jonathan Smith, too. And um, all, all those guys at Oregon State.
2: Okay, well, I'll tell you what. This could be a bad, bad weekend in Eugene. I'll tell you why. If Oregon State upsets them with the opening in Florida, Cristobal, let's say Oregon State beats Oregon, I could see Cristobal saying, well, I can't be any hotter than I was, and if I'm going to go, I can't afford to see what SC's going to do, and they're going to, obviously, SC's going to rebound. I'm sorry that to to tell Mario that, but they're going to rebound at some point in time. And, you know, that means that the recruiting pipeline will will dry up. But I think if Oregon loses, Cristobal could end up at Florida. So now they got to find a new coach. Uh, It's going to – all hell could break out in Eugene, which I know wherever you are, Chris, uh, uh, Arlich, this is your ultimate beautiful dream, total meltdown in Eugene. I know you're watching this, so I had to throw that in for you. Um, you know, the thing about Oregon State, I really think that Jonathan Smith's really a good coach, and I actually will go back to what I said earlier. I'd have no problem if he became the head coach at USC. I think what he's done, he's just not an outgoing – he's kind of – you know, before the game, their last game, they, had, they were celebrating one of their, their great teams – that Jonathan Smith was the quarterback of it at Oregon state. And you look at the coach was Dennis Erickson and Dennis Erickson is a hall of fame coach. And you say, this is, this guy's been trained by Dennis Erickson and it's showing. So I'll tell you what I'm going to go with Oregon state in my heart. Although intellectually I go, Oregon's going to be something, but if Oregon isn't a championship team, they'll, they'll collapse because Utah could have taken it out of them. Oh, we're not going to the college football playoffs. What what could be worse? We may have to go to the Rose Bowl. Oh, no. You know, okay, fine. how about you don't even end up there? So I'm taking Oregon State. All right. The battle in the desert, Arizona at ASU, 1 p.m. Pac-12 Network, ASU favored by 20 points. Eric, can Fish pull the upset?
3: No, I mean, if it was any other team, I'd, I'd take them against Arizona State with with kind of what Arizona State's doing right now. But uh, Arizona, just not not enough guys. I know they want to kind of come back from, geez, last year at that game. Um, but I just no, I don't. I don't see it from Arizona.
2: Okay, how about you, Mark? What do you think?
4: Yeah, I'm going upset. That that was a. a what happened to USC wasn't quite as bad as what happened to Arizona last year. And that leaves a lasting impression with players and coaches that are still around. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm thinking a little payback. It'll be a close game. And I think just on emotion, Arizona will find a way to maybe get a game-winning field goal. Whatever it takes, they're going to find a way to win this game. And then, uh, yeah, there's going to be some celebrating.
2: All right. I, I think that ASU is one step uh, be, uh, from total destruction. I think we're waiting to see what's going to happen with uh, with the head coach there. Uh, and if uh, they come down with recruiting violations and everything, the whole place is going to get leveled and people are going to lose their jobs. Uh, I think that ASU's team is one big cluster fill in the blank. Uh, you don't know what they're going to do now. If they get the running game going, it's going to be very difficult for Arizona to to stop it because you've got an NFL running back there in White. Uh, so I am going to still I, Arizona will come to play, but I think that ASU will suck it up. Uh, I don't know even make I don't even think it makes a difference if it's an ASU uh, or, or Arizona. It's a, you know it's going to be a, a, a game, but I, I think that ASU will win. I don't know if they'll cover by twenty though. All right, here's here's a uh, game that should really not even be on the boards. Notre Dame at Stanford, 5 p.m. Fox. Notre Dame by 17 points. Mark, is it going to be more or less? 17?
4: It's going to be more. It's going to be more. Stanford is brutally bad going down the stretch. I mean, I didn't see what Cal did. I saw the final score, um, which, you know, is another reason why USC should uh, hope that they get a win on Saturday. Um yeah, Notre Dame is going to crush the tree. Chop it down.
2: All right. Are they going to make firewood out of them, Eric?
3: Yeah, by 17, by 170, it's same same thing. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good.
2: 29 points, one
4: point. It's the same, right?
2: Well, I will, I will say that this is the game that Notre Dame is going to try to show the nation why they should, should be part of the college football playoffs. And there is no doubt in my mind that Notre Dame is going to wipe uh, Stanford from here to Berkeley. It's going to be ugly. And those players for Notre Dame will be motivated. They don't care whether they're the number four seed or not. Just get in the darn thing. They've been quietly coming back, positioning themselves. So I say that Notre Dame will, will make Stanford wish they never, ever schedule this game. Uh, Cal at UCLA, big rivalry, a big, big uh, UC system versus little brother, 7.30 p.m. FS1, UCLA by seven points. Eric, how tough is this game going to be for UCLA coming off a big win over the Trojans?
3: They may not show up. I, I think Cal's going to win this game. I think UCLA did what they did to USC and the guys were like, OK, that's it. We're, we're done. Um, I, I don't have a hard time seeing Cal win by quite a bit in this one and, and you I mean, it, it, this is not a great UCLA team. I think this Cal team is kind of fired up after going through what they went through during the, you know, losing, going through the COVID stuff for them, but losing to Arizona. They were the team that lost to Arizona. Like that, that has fired them up clearly. I would not want to be UCLA or USC kind of saying in a way, I, again, this is not a great Cal team, but they can run it, and they play defense, and, and they can hit you. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't think UCLA is going to be ready for that coming down off of what they just did to USC.
2: Mark?
4: Okay. I agree. I don't want to spend any time on this talking about UCLA.
2: <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't want to spend more time talking about this game other than to say that if Garbers has a good game against UCLA at quarterback for Cal, they're going to give UCLA everything they can handle. Uh Cal will come to play on defense. Uh this will be a real interesting test between the UCLA offensive line and the Cal front. Uh so I think UCLA will win the game. Uh, because I think they've kind of turned a little bit of a corner. The question is, is if UCLA lost, does that mean that uh, the Chipster is in trouble with his job? I don't actually think so. I think what he did to SC, ushered him into the Hall of Fame of UCLA memories. He'll be good for another year at least. All right, which takes us to the biggest game of the weekend. No question about it. That's why you put it on at 7.30 for national TV. Number 14, BYU versus our beloved Trojans, 7.30 p.m. ESPN. Uh, BYU is favored by seven. Be bold, Eric. What do you think?
3: You know, looking back at the that Stanford, Oregon State, Utah run, those three home games, they they were all about in the same area. USC scored uh twenty-six, twenty-seven, and twenty-eight in those games. They gave up forty-two twice and forty-five. So right right in there, 40, 45, 27, 43, 26, so you know, something like that. I uh, I can see BYU winning. Yeah.
2: Okay, Mark, what do you what do you see?
4: Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I, touched on that earlier in the show. I, I see BYU, you know, winning by 20. So why not 44, 24? That's 20 point spread, right? Um, yeah. You know, and, and do, does Chip Kelly's hall of fame plaque come with, we beat the worst USC team ever.
2: <laughs> we'll have to call and find out. I'm sure the SID has all that information. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm thinking here, if I'm BYU, the pressure on BYU to score at least 40 points in the Coliseum must be enormous. I can just see the captain of BYU going, guys, are we going to be the one of the few teams that came into the Coliseum and not score 40 points or more on their defense? Our goal is to get 62 points, uh, as a motivating factor. So I think, I think the game will start off probably close, close. And then, uh, the way we always see it enough body shots to USC and then everything's going to go, uh, go South into the San Pedro Harbor. So I think, uh, I'm going to take BYU, not by seven. I think BYU will win eh, probably about, uh, by 14 to 17 points. And I'm probably being conservative because I don't want to look like a fool, even though some would argue that I am. Uh, so I think that pretty much wraps it up guys. So uh, let's close this baby out. Uh, a reminder again that the Trojans host BYU this Saturday night in the Coliseum, 7 30 PM and the game will be televised on ESPN and a reminder next Tuesday we'll review the BYU game, get the latest on the USC coaching search, which could open some eyes preview the Cal game, the big Cal game and speak to uh, developing topics pertaining to USC and college football. So until next Tuesday, I want to thank our panelists. thank uh, to our on three technician Jake Evans, and we thank all of you for watching or listening to Inside the Trojans Huddle. Have a really great Thanksgiving and until then, SC! fight on everybody. We are SC! We are SC! We are SC!
0: Madness is here.